0: I can still say good morning, yeah, I can still say good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning everyone, good morning. God has been truly good to us, I don't know about you, but God has been good to me. Uh, what I want to tell you first, the first thing I want to tell you is that a group of us started or this month, and we met, I think, two or three weeks ago for two hours, or the intent was for two hours on a Friday evening running into the setting of the sun and the start of the Sabbath, and we pressed together with the hope of moving the hand of God through prayer. This coming Friday, we would like to continue with that season of prayer to move the hand of God. And all that we are trying to do as this group is to meet the little statement that says that our primitive godliness is our greatest and most urgent need and that's all that we're trying to get. So if you would like to press with us, I invite you to come right here, right here from 6 to 8. Thank you for asking, 6 to 8, 6 to 8. So I invite you to that, 6 to 8. And if you are coming, I'll give you an assignment. There's a little book called Education, and there's a chapter in it that is entitled Faith and Prayer. I would encourage you to read that in preparation for our gathering on Friday afternoon into evening, 6 to 8. All right. Thank you. Then the other thing I want to tell you, or well, and this is... There's a group of us who meet, sometime we start at 4 o'clock, sometime we start at 5 o'clock on Sabbath afternoon, just studying the Bible, and we have been going at it for a while. But somebody told me that in November we started addressing the subject of suffering. Suffering. We have looked at what is suffering, when suffering comes to place and the reason for looking at this is that if you and I are going to be living through the end times, suffering is inevitable. It is a month. James said think it not strange. That fiery trial. Think it not strange. So we should not be what? Surprised when fiery trials come our way. And uh, somebody else said that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we must suffer persecution. So, so, we have been studying this whole concept of suffering. And as I, we look at, at the Bible characters who have encountered suffering, I have been thinking and looking to see what is it, what is the plate on which the endurance of their suffering sits. And what I am finding out in my own experience is that they have an implicit faith in God. They believe what God says, and they are willing to go to whatever length to suffer. And outside of Jesus Christ, there's nobody who suffers well as the Apostle Paul. And Paul knows how to turn lemon into lemonade. Faith. So guess what? Today we're going to study faith, faith. Upon that, I invite you to kneel with me so that we can ask God's blessing to assist us in the study of his word. our Father and our God, we're still grateful for the opportunity that our probation has not closed. And it is still our desire to connect with you. We feel the dropping of your Holy Spirit, the tugging of your Holy Spirit upon our hearts, and we're responding to it. We wish that our response was more, was quicker. But we thank you for your striving. And today as we come to study your Word about faith. What true faith is. We're asking for you to send us, our teacher, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. To guide our thinking, our speaking, and to stamp the truth of your word upon our hearts so that we do not sin against you Lord it's our aim it's our goal to move out of the state of Lodicea and to have regain our first love may today be the start of that experience we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Amen faith. Why? I'm going to run you some points that I think the Bible, what the Bible teaches and the spirit of prophecy teaches about faith. I'm just going to do this quickly because this is not the body of the sermon, so we don't want to get bogged down there. First one, it is impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. Impossible. So if we do not have faith, we cannot please God. That's number one. Number two, everyone who has faith will be saved. John 6 and verse 47. He that believeth on me shall have everlasting life. That is the word of God. Amen. Jesus predicts that or he, that. The, that The last days of earth's history will be a time of great lack of faith. So as we come closer to the end of time, there will be less faith. We find that in Luke chapter 18, 7 and 8. When I come, will I find faith? That's number three. Number four, lack of faith. Lack of faith is one of the main traits of the Lodicean church. Lack of faith. You can find that in Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22. Number five. Every person has a measure of faith. Every person has a measure of faith. Romans 12 and verse 3. Listen to what she says. This is in education. Faith that enables us to receive God's gift is itself, is itself a gift of which some measure is imparted to every human being. The faith that you and I have we din- is not self-generated. It is God who gifted, gave us this gift. It's a measure of faith. The time of Noah was a time of lack of faith. That's the reason that only eight made it on the ark. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said in Matthew 24 that what? So it will what? Will be a what? A repeat. A repeat. So it's going to be a repeat. Number seven. While everyone has some measure of faith. Your measure of faith can be increased. Some people's faith are stronger than others. So we are given a measure of faith. Don't know how much that measure is. Can't tell you it's a quarter cup. I can't tell you it's an eighth of a cup. I can't tell you it's a full cup. But you have a measure of faith. And what it is is that this measure of faith can be increased. Can be increased. The question is, How do you increase your faith? And back in the little book, education. How to exercise faith should be made very plain. To every promise of God, there are conditions. If we are willing to do his will, all his strength is what? Is ours. So if we're willing to do God's what? will, then his strength is what? Becomes ours. If, you're talking about it, is it faith grows as exercise in appropriating the word of God, in order to strengthen faith, we must often, often bring it in contact with the word. So let me see if I can translate that for you. Simple put. Our faith can be increased. So how are we going to increase our faith? Is to exercise it in what? In making sure that the will of God, that we are doing what? The will of God. And when we, our faith grows as we appropriate the word of God to our lives. So when God asks us to do something, and we do that something, we are increasing our faith. faith. Let me move on. Number eight. In order for faith to become strong, it must be tested. Must be tested. So we, so we must have to have our faith tested in order for it to get strong. And when you look at all the Bible characters whose faith were tested. And who had strong faith. They went through what? Test. Joseph. Abel. Peter. Abraham. You name it. Paul, you name it, John, yes. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Yes. I should throw some labels some, some ladies in it too. How about Deborah? Yes. Esther. 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 Ruth. Yeah. Tested. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Number nine. If we desire to have strong faith, then we must regularly study our Bibles. Romans 10 and verse 17. What does that say? Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing what? The the word of God. So we have to have faith. If we want our faith to grow and to become strong, we must study the word of God. And we can't be haphazard in the study of the word of God. We can't study today, but don't study until next week. We have to be consistent in our study. Very consistent. How consistent is consistent? Daily. Three times a day. Daniel did it three times a day. Psalm 55 on verse 17 says what? I know he's talking about prayer. Noon should I what? Cry aloud. What are we crying aloud for? What it is for praying? We want to what? Be studying the word of God. Listen to what she says here. We might not be able to read this. Okay, this is in... uh, Gospel Workers, page 100, paragraph 1. She says, guard jealously your hour for prayer. Bible study and self-reflection. I like to do self-reflection before prayer. Because when you study the word of God, what is it that you want to do? You want to ask yourself those questions how, or the, the major question, how is my life standing in alignment with what is it that God's word is saying to me? And then when it is, when I see that I am falling short of the word of God and I begin to pray, that's what I am praying for or one of the things I'm praying for, Lord. Give me the strength. To obey your word. Give me the strength. So if I'm falling short on loving my enemy. When I'm praying and I recognize that. Then I am asking God. Give me the strength to love my enemy. So I like it that way. So we set a time. Number 10. Faith always, no exception, always obeys the word of God. Always, no exception. Number 11. And this is from the little book, Patrix and Prophet. Or maybe it's a big book. Somebody will say that it's over 600 pages, or seven might so. Here's what she says. Uh, Sister Queen, what's your friend's oh, Kim, Catherine. Karen. Karen. Okay. All right. I just want you, you know, to be intelligent about what is it, you know, because we use, we have jargons that we use around here, but I want you to know in that we as a church, we believe that uh, God has uh, called prophets. And because that was a, one of the promises that he had in Joel chapter mm-hmm. 2, and saying that in the last days, he's going to give prophets. And what it is, is that as a church, we believe that God has given the gift of prophecy to a woman that we call Ellen G. White. And she meets all the standard. I, we can, some, Sister Queen can walk you through that. So she has written a number of books. And we refer to them as the spirit of prophecy. So you might hear that term going back and forth. So we just quote from them. But there's a number of books. She has written on just about every subject. Education, health, business, spiritual living, parenting, child rearing, you name it. Amen. Okay. okay. All right. So, he, so in this book, she has this book called *Patriarchs and Prophet. And listen to the statement she makes about faith. Every failure, on the part of the children of God is due to the lack of faith. So every time I fail is because what? My faith is lacking. Lack faith. Every time. I don't know about you. But I can look back and see the failures, some of the failures I've made in my life and how it was without faith. No faith. That's in Patricks and Prophet. In the book, Education. Here's it. Through faith in Christ every deficiency of character may be supplied. Amen. That was a weak amen. amen. Or maybe you didn't say amen because you have no deficiency. Through faith in Christ, every deficiency in my character can be supplied. Every defilement cleanse. Every fault corrected. Every excellency developed. Through what? Faith in Christ. I can get that. Faith in Christ. So if I have deficiency, Christ is willing to supply it through faith in him. The defilement that I have in my life, Christ is willing to cleanse it in my what? And when I exercise faith in him, when he defilement, the the faults I have, he's ready to correct them. And not only the negative, but also the positive, he will develop the excellency of my character through faith in Jesus. Number 13. This is the definition of faith. Faith is trusting God, believing that He loves us and knows best what is for our good. Amen. This is the definition of faith. What we have in Hebrews. Chapter 11 and verse 1 is not the definition of faith, Sister Dean. It's a demonstration of faith, how faith works. So Jonah, your daughter Hannah comes to you. Her birthday is a few months down the line. And she said, Papa, I need a bike. I need a bike. I have grown out my bike, and I just need a new bike. He said, okay, honey. Dad will work on it. Her birthday is four months, six months out. What does she do? She runs off, and everybody she sees, guess what? My birthday's coming, and Daddy's going to give me a bike. What color is the bike? It's pink. (laughs) Not only is he going to give me a bike, but he's going to give me a new helmet. It's six months. It's pink to match my bike. And he may even give me elbow pads and all of that stuff. And this is what she's telling me. Does she have the bike? But what is it that she, she is hoping for? She is hoping for what? Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. And the evidence that she has is that on her birthday, what is it that is going to happen? She's going to get a bite. So it is her birthday morning. And all that time when you have been waking, having struggled to wake her up, she is up and out at the, before dawn. Because what? She is what? Anticipating the bike. And dad comes out and she has her new pink bike. And she jumps up and down. Thank you, dad. That is how faith works. I don't have it. But I believe That you are going to provide it for me. So I am acting as if I already have that bike. The thing that we are asking for. Faith is trusting and believing God. Not only just believing. But believing that he knows what is best for me. So I leave everything into his hands. And even when I am not able to follow the fact that God is asking and directing, what do I do? I follow. Because he knows what's best. The last one in a few seconds on this one. Only those who have faith in God are members of the true church. Amen. Amen. True church. I don't remember, you know, maybe what, two years ago, Joseph Farrer preaching this church, a sermon, a the true church versus the church what makes the true church? Let's go to second Timothy chapter two and verse 19 Yeah. before we even get there, let's read this. This is from, uh, let me see where this book comes from. Christ's Object Lesson. Listen to what Ellen White says. The closing scenes of this earth's history are portrayed in the closing of the rich man's history. You know the rich man in Lazarus? The rich man claimed to be a son of Abraham. But he was separated from Abraham by an impassable gulf. What was that gulf? A character wrongly developed. Abraham served God following his word in faith and obedience. But the rich man was unmindful of God and of the needs of Suffering humanity. The great gulf fixed between him and Abraham was the gulf of disobedience. There are many today who are following the same course. Through those church members, they are unconverted. They may take part in the church service. They may chant the psalm as the ark panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. But they testify to a falsehood. They are no more righteous in God's sight than in the vi- various uh, sinners. So when my name is on the church roll, but I'm living an un, or I'm living an unconverted life, then I am not a member of the true church. I'm a member of the professed church. Mm-hmm. Professed church. And what God is calling us is that when I have faith. Then my faith will be demonstrated in obedience to the word of God. And that makes me a member of what? The true church of God. True church of God. So let's go to Second Timothy now. Chapter 2. And verse 19. And it reads, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. Iniquity. So let's go over to Galatians. So, those who name the name of God must depart from what, iniquity. iniquity. So let's go to Galatians chapter three, and allow your eyes to drop down to verse twenty-six, and listen to what it says. For ye are all children of God by what? Faith. By faith. So we are children of God by what? Faith. faith. Just not faith but faith in Christ Jesus. Let's look at verse 29. And if he be Christ, then ye are what? Abraham's seed. And So here it is. So so what makes us a part of the true church is that we have departed from evil. Not only that, but we are what? But in verse 26, it's telling us that we are what? Children of so by faith. And if we do that, we are what? Children of what? Abraham. Abraham. Here's of the promise. Let's look at verse 7 in that same passage. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Amen. Amen. Number 14. Those who have faith are members of the true. So here's what we want to do today. So we're going to find a Bible character to see how many of these things, these conditions, and there are some more. I think there's another one that I would like to add that it is through faith that we access justification. Justification. It is through faith. We cannot be justified outside of faith in Christ. And there may be more. So we're going to study a Bible character. I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And when you get there... Let's pick it up in verse eight. And it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Did we talk about obedience as a condition yes. of faith? obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went here it is and we know the story well in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 when God told Abraham to pack up leave your country your kingsmen and your family and go to a land that I will show you And Abraham did not ask God any question. He did not go and look on Google map to see where this was. He did not ask for a travel brochure. He did not ask anything. What he did, he packed up and went. And what is it that we need to understand is what was Abraham moving from? Or of the Chaldees was a city of modern standing. One of the richest in in southern uh, Iraq. Very rich. The rich were there. They had running water. They had raised houses. They had, it was all caravans that went there. It was a city on the move. And God asked him, pack up. And I'll show you a land. I'll just take you to a land. And what did Abraham do? He packed up and went. Now, think about it. None of us will have that experience. None of us. I think about those of us who have migrated from wherever. I came from Jamaica. I did not. There were people here that I knew before I came. And even if I'm not coming to people, I know know what the United States of America is about. I know what it is. We do not. We have that. Abraham did not have that. All that Abraham had was, I will take you to a land of which I will show you. I disagree he had everything, Uh brother. How is that? He had everything. He had God as his map and God as his guide and God as his security. Um, And that's where faith comes in. Obedience. I don't have that. What it is, you know, I remember a few years ago, we, Leonard and I were somewhere, and we were not knowing anybody there. But we drove by, and we saw a church with three angels on it. And we said, you know what? That's where we're going to church on Sabbath. We turned up. It was about 15 or 20 people there. They welcomed us. Gave us Sabbath lunch. And gave us food for the road. Never, <laughs> never seen these people before. Never known. They have never known us. We showed up. There was another time we went to a place. Went to church. And they greeted us, you know, thank you for coming. Where are you from? Oh, you are been a long way from home. And I opened my mouth in Sabbath school. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and Brother Jonah, somebody invited us home. Came and said, we want to talk to you. You sound like somebody of similar faith. Today we have a lasting relationship with that family. We do not, we, you and I will not have that experience of going into a place where we know nothing of. Abraham, that was his experience But what he did, he packed up. I have no doubt that his family and his kindred member did not understand how could you be doing this. You do not know where you're going. But this is what Abraham knew. God told him to go and that was sufficient for Abraham. So he packed up and went. Brothers and sisters, if you and I are going to make it in the end time, we need the faith of Abraham. God asks us, and even when we do not know and we are not able to figure it out, the fact that it is God who is asking us and he has Our good at hand. We just go. We just go. So, guess what? That was the first test. First test that Abraham encountered. Listen to what Ellen White says. Patriarchs and prophets. God has spoken. And his servant must obey. The happiest place on earth for Abraham was the place where God would have him to be. Happiest place. So here it is. Uh, this is in the same book. Many of us will be tested, but uh, we're going to move on to the second test. So the second test, test number two. So God tested. So here is Abraham. He packed up. And he went to Canaan, to the land where God would show him. But in when God told him that he was going to move from our of the Chaldees, in verse 2 of chapter 12, God told him that, hey, listen, you are going to be the father of a great nation. But if you look in Genesis 11 and verse 30, there is something very very important. What did Moses record Sarah. Sarah. Sarah was what? Barren. barren. And she had no children. Moses was purposeful in terms of saying she could be barren at this stage, but she had a child before or she had children before. She had no children, and she was no barren. And the Hebrew word that is used for barren there means to pluck up. Pluck up. Meaning that whatever she had that would produce children was not there. And yet what did God do to Abraham? You are going to be what? The father of a great nation. Okay. So, that's in, in verse 15, chapter 15, not in, in verse 15, of Genesis 12. And I'm just running the story. So here is what happened thereafter. Moses, not Moses, Abraham in a vision, the Lord. And in verse 2 of that chapter, where did Moses went? Not Moses. Abraham went to God and said, hey, I have no child. And guess what? Will they, I only have Eliezer. And what did the Lord say to him? No, that's not who you' he will not he will not be here he's not no not, be the of not at all that's what he's saying to him you are going to have a child and it is going to come from you and Sarah no. Sir, and what happened? Impatience overtook Abraham and Sarai. Impatience. And what did they do? Why, I must say here that it was not uncommon in the culture for that arrangement. As a matter of fact, Archaeologists have dug up and found out that in wedding marriage agreement is written into the covenant that if the wife could not, then the husband was able to have and that child would become a member of. But that was not in God's plan. God reinforced it with him and said, it will come from your line and Sarah's line. May I just park for a moment? Impatience. 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 When, well, let me say it this way. God's timing and ours are not the same. And what it is that God, when there is a delay, what is it that you and I need to do in the delay? There are two things that we need to do. One, we need to be searching our hearts to see if there's any sin in our hearts. And the second thing that we need to do is to be exercising our dependence on God because God is faithful. And while I may not know how or when he's moving, I can have the assurance that God will move when the time is right. That's what it is. He's going to move when the time is right. Because in, and we, let me talk about, okay, prayer for a moment. We pray, and God does not answer immediately. I want you to know, under authority of God's word, God has not forgotten your request. It is there. He files it, and when, it, when he sees fit, he brings it into action. Brings it in, into action. Let me run ahead. Uh, so here it is. God's purpose says, no, no haste and no delay. My job is to continue to hold firmly for the promise going to do it. The third test. Genesis 22. And we'll end here. So here is it. God is going to test our faith. And listen to what happened to Abraham. Because Abraham ran ahead Sister Debbie of God. God had to give him another test. Had to give him another test. Why did God have to give Abraham another test? Didn't he pack up and leave Ur of the Chaldees and come over here? He did. Abraham was to be the father of the faithful and he had not lived up to it. Satan would have his way. Is this your offering as a father of the faithful? So listen to what Ellen White says in Signs of the Time. Abraham was directed of God to go up to Mount Moriah, and there offered up his son as a burnt offering. There the Lord tested Abraham by a most fearful trial. Can I park? May I park? So here is it. When God tests me and I fail at this stage of the game, he comes with another test. But the next test is harder than the one that I failed. So here it is. I failed the kindergarten class, but now I am now in the fifth grade and I'm getting a fifth grade test. But I'm only a kindergartner. Implication, let God's grace pass the test when it's given. And that will save us harder tests, more challenging tests. So that's what happened here. So here it goes. In taking Hagar for his wife, he showed showed distrust in the promises of God. If he had patiently waited for the promise to be fulfilled in God's own time and manner, and had sought to make, and had not sought to make providence for him, providence himself, he would not have been subjected to the closest test that was ever required of man. May I say something else? It's never too old. Or I should say it this way. You're never too old for God to test you. So, Mr. Preacher, it took him 120 years to pass the test. <laughs> what I did when I was 20 may still be hounding me uh, years later. That's it. But, God, in this, what I see, I see love and patience. On the part of God. If I can but only cooperate with Him, my life would be better. So here it is. So the Lord said to Abraham, 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 take now thy son, thy only son. Isaac, whom thou lovest. Take him and go and offer him as a what? A burnt offering, a sacrifice up on a mountain that I will show you. In this command, three things are specific. Take thy son. Thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. So there is no way for Abraham to miss who God is talking about. God is very specific. Take him. So, what it is that Abraham is now doing? He is troubled troubled by this. I'm to take this son. This is a son of promise. This is the one that I have waited all these years for. And finally, I'm settling in, and you are asking me to take him and to offer him up as sacrifice. And what is he doing? He's now pacing back and forth. Asking and waiting for God to give him an answer. Could this be true? God, is this true? Just the same way that you sent angels when you were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Would you send me angels to what? To tell me if this is true. And while God, he's waiting on that, you know who is actively present or who was? Satan was there saying that God cannot mean this. God cannot mean this. Can I do an, an application? He had to go it alone. Sometimes when we are tried... It's a trial just for me. It's not for mom. It's not for dad. It's not for wife. It's not for husband. It's just me alone. This is between God and me. Just have to go alone. So here it is. So we finally decide, morning is about to break. And he has to be on his way because Sarah is going to wake up. And if she gets any wink of this plan, it is going to be what? Aborted. (laughs) She's going to step in. And he's going to thwart the plan. So what it is, he saddled up. Isaac, we have a mission to go. We have a mission. Servants packed up and they're off. And Ellen White says that Abraham went on this journey and usually he and Isaac would be in conversation but this time he has no conversation with Isaac because the weight of the responsibility is on him and all that he's asking for is God set me free. Nothing. They reached And it's the end of day one. And they are ready to sleep. Isaac and the servants are sleeping. Abraham is still awake. It's now maybe 36 hours or more than that. He has not slept from the time that he had gotten this dream or vision or whatever. And he's now speaking. And what is he doing? He's wrestling with God. Day two, the same. And day number three, he's up and he's on again. And then he looked and what did he see? He saw the mountain and God had shown him in the vision. This is a mountain. God had put clouds around him to confirm that this wasn't true. I'm just going to park for a moment. Sometimes we waste our time praying, waiting for God to answer when God has given an instruction and we have not done the instruction. You didn't get that. Moses had come to the Red Sea and he's there praying, what is it that I am to do? The Lord said, get up off your knee and stop praying. Go forward. That's the instruction I've given you. That was the same thing with Joshua. When God has given us an instruction, God is not backing off the instruction he has given us until we have what we may be praying for during that time is strength to do. So here it is. They reached. And Abraham said to his servants, Stay here. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will return unto you. Are you seeing faith? Up until this time, there was no record of anybody being raised from the dead in the experience. The first time there was an Old Testament resurrection was with Moses. And from Abraham to Moses, it was more than 430 years. Because that's the amount of time the children of Israel spent. In Egypt. But what did Moses. What did Abraham. Believe. He knew that the God. Who gave him this son. Had the power. To do whatever he wanted to do. So that he could have him back. So he exercised power. Faith in the power of God. To resurrect his son. And he went off. He went off. And as they're going up, and Isaac got closer to the mount, he said, Dad, something is missing. We have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the lamb? Do I have time to park? There's something instructive about worship. Isaac recognized the pieces that are involved in worship. We need wood, we need fire, but we need a lamb. The pieces that you and I come to church Sabbath after Sabbath. The wood is available. The word of God. The fire is available, the spirit of God, but the lamb, which is you and me, is absent. So there cannot be any what? Burn sacrifice. So we go back and we come back. We go back and we come back. And we are not consumed. That's a sermon for another time. So here is it. So they come up. And Isaac is now helping his father to build the altar. Stick by stick. Wood by wood. The altar is built. And Abraham turned to his son said Isaac three days ago in the night vision God told me to take you my only son Isaac whom I love to offer. And in obedience to the command of God we are here. Isaac was 20 years old. At this point in time he had the strength of 20 year old could knock over his father of 120 years old. and set himself free. But what Isaac did was to submit to the instruction that God had given his father. And he assisted his dad in tying him himself. And now he braced himself, and I have no doubt, I'm just picturing it in my imagination they might have embraced one last time, they might have extreme. I love you. I love you, Dad. Thank you for these 20 years. Thank you. Tell mom I love her. Let her know that, how much I've enjoyed her as a mom. And Abraham is no longer seen Isaac as a son, but he's seen Isaac as a lamb. And he raised his hand, ready to plunge that knife in his throat, when he heard Abraham, Abraham, lay not. Your hand upon the lad. Now I know. Now I know that the what? Fear is gone. And you are not withholding your son, your only son, from me. Not withholding it. And God repeated this a second time in verses 15 through 17. And he repeated the promise that he had given to Abraham in chapter 12, verse 3, verses 2 and 3. What is the lesson? The lesson is God will give us everything When we have given him everything. Are you understanding that? The reason that I do not have more, Sister Debbie, is because I am withholding from God. And listen to the thing that I'm doing I'm withholding from God the things that God has given to me, they're not mine. But the selfishness in my heart is holding on to them. When what God wants is for me to give them to him so that he can give me that which he wants to give me. Selfishness. So listen to it. The time you have is now yours. If the Lord takes your time, we will sing songs such as when peace like a river attendeth my way. We will see you in the, in the morning if God takes the sign his time away. The money that you have, that we have, is not ours. If God takes it away from us, we will be like the people on the street with the sign that says, I am hungry and homeless. So when God blesses us with these things, he is blessing us so that we can give it back to him to advance his cause so that he can further bless us Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. but because we are not we settle for $5 when maybe $500,000 is available to us and we think that $5 is so much money But what does God want to do? He wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to just pour it out on us. But because we are, he can't do it. Let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. Let me wrap it up. So here it is. God estimated Abraham's obedience and on serving faith and gave him the name Father of the Faithful. The example of Abraham is recorded in sacred history for the benefit of his believing children. Why? Three reasons. One, this great act of faith teaches the lesson of implicit confidence in God. So every time we read Abraham's story, the lesson that we should be seeing, not a good, well, you know, it's more than a bedtime story. We need to see somebody of implicit faith and confidence in God. Two, perfect obedience to his requirements. And three, complete surrender to to the divine will. In the example of Abraham, we are taught that nothing we possess is too precious. Nothing. Let me run this. So here it is. This is where we are today. So here it is. I'll read this. Those who profess to be looking for the soon coming of our Savior, should have Abrahamic faith. What is Abrahamic faith? Implicit confidence in God, perfect obedience, and complete surrender to the divine will. That's what we need to have. Uh, A faith that is valued because it costs them something. Something. Isaac was Abraham's precious possession. If God had asked him, give me your servant, give me your money, he would gladly do that. But that was not what he wanted. So here it is. The example of Abraham is left on record for us upon whom the ends of the world have come. We must believe that God is in earnest with us and that he is not to be trifled with. He means what he says, and he requires of us implicit faith and willing obedience. Then will he let his his light shine around about us, and we we shall be all light in the world. That's it. So here it is. So how are we going to operationalize this? So here it is. We are called to have the faith of Abraham. How are we going to operationalize this? I submit two things to you today. One, we must have dedicated time for Bible study. That's not up for negotiation. Must have dedicated time. Block it out. An hour, two hours. Somebody said you should give 20% of your time, which is like about, just about what? uh, Five hours a day in study. Another thing. So that's one. Two, when you study the Word of God. We must appropriate his word to our lives. Simply put, that is, live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God has spoken and I must obey. That's it. So here's what happened. So when we look in Hebrews 11, what do we see? Hebrews 11. For this example or demonstration of faith, Abraham's name is recorded in Hebrews 11, which is known as what? I submit to you today when you and I Demonstrate this kind of faith. Your name, my name, will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Will be written there. And the benediction will be Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What do you want to do? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, what we, we thank you for the example of Abraham and his faith and commitment to you. You're asking us to have that type of faith. And we can. We can. If we trust you, if we follow along with you. So today, Lord, we pray for that guidance. We pray, Lord, for a spirit of surrender. We pray for a spirit of obedience, even to trust you when we can't see you, knowing that you have our good in the forefront. Thank you. Keep us faithful until we see you coming in the clouds of glory. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.